Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents for another Saturday in uh, September. Um, I'm, you're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Morrow. It's a delight to be with you again on this uh, beautiful week. Uh, and of course, Asia Pacific Currents brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links on your favourite 3CR radio. And, and a big thanks to the staff of 3CR radio that uh, allows us to uh, continue our podcasting and our radio show remotely. And of course, if you want to um, get in touch with Australia Asia Worklinks, what are those details, Giselle? That's right. You can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. You can also email us at aawl at aawl.org.au. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. So look us up on those social media platforms to continue to receive news and current affairs of the labour movement from the Asia Pacific region. Fantastic. And um, uh, on top of our usual roundup of the labour news from the region uh, today, we're going to be talking to Lionel Bopaji, who uh, regular listeners um, would remember. We do have him every so often. He'll be talking about the uh, recent elections in Sri Lanka, uh, what they mean and uh, for work especially and also the the so-called Tamil questions but also how all this is shaping up in regards to the COVID-19 pandemic in that country but they'll be in about um, 10 minutes and um, we might as well go straight to the mini news stories um, Giselle and uh, do you want to start it? Sure thing. We're going to start in Iraq, where unfortunately another activist has been murdered on Tuesday, the 15th of September. Another young woman activist, Shilandara Raouf, was assassinated by unknown assailants. This time, the murderers went to her house in Baghdad, where they not only stabbed Shilan to death, but also her father and mother, who were also home at the time. Shilan has become the latest victim of a brutal campaign over the last couple of months that's been targeting leaders and high-profile activists of the protest movement throughout the major centres in central and southern Iraq. Part of the reason for these killings is an attempt to derail the organising for the anniversary of the start of these mass protests that began on the 1st of October last year. In a reflection of the highly sectarian situation in Iraq, Kurdish politicians have attempted to use Shilan's death, who was of Kurdish heritage, to propagate xenophobic attacks against the Arab populations of Iraq. 
Yes, very worrying what's happening there. And we go next door to Iran, where, um, as an example, against ongoing workers' actions and protests this week, the Iranian government hanged Navid Afkari, despite a growing international movement calling for his life to be spared. Um, we had uh, brought this uh, a news item in the last few weeks uh, that Navid was a well-known wrestler in Iran, but was arrested following mass demonstrations in Iran in 2018. His killing by the authority has sparked demonstrations in the city, in cities like Boucher and Shiraz, while activists have, have reported that news of his death has been trending very heavily in social media sites within Iran. Now, workers' actions at the Haftapa sugar factory and at various gas and oil installations um, that we've also brought to you in the, in the recent weeks are continuing inside Iran. And on the show last week, we talked about Israel's recognition, um, rather uh, the United Arab Emirates recognition and normalisation with Israel. Uh, and uh, this week, Bahrain became the fourth Arab country to recognise the state of Israel and sign a peace deal with it. This came on the back of the recent signing, as we said, and as we discussed last week, um, by the United Arab Emirates of a similar deal. These deals have been publicised as a step forward to resolving the issue of Palestine and to bring peace to the region. The reality is that these moves are part of an ongoing reshaping of the alliances in the region and major regional powers continue to manoeuvre for more influence. All the major Palestinian parties have rejected these peace deals as they did not even address the issue of Palestinian expulsion, continued colonialism, military occupation, the right of return for Palestinians and the ongoing struggle of the Palestinian people for sovereignty. That's right, that's right. Uh, a worrying situation there as well. Um, we now go to a, um, a, a, some more positive news in Bangladesh, where last week we reported on the worsening situation for garment workers in the region. This week, we can report some good news from Bangladesh, where a group of unionists have been able to regain their jobs. In January of this year, Tanzila Textile fired 12 workers after they attempted to register a union. The dismissed workers, not surprisingly, included the president, general secretary, and executive body members of the proposed new union. After lengthy negotiations with the help of the Bangladesh Garment Textile and Leather Workers Federation, all the 12 workers will be reinstated on equal wages and benefits as other workers at the company. But um, very surprisingly, and in, in good news, in addition, the company will pay the wages of these workers for the period they were dismissed. So that's really a great outcome. And there are, there's an increase in disputes in the construction sector in China. Labor activists in China have recorded a big increase in the number of labor disputes in the construction industry as activity starts to increase after the COVID-19 shutdowns. The major complaint for workers has been the late or non-payment of wages. This issue has not been confined to smaller companies, but has also been prevalent among the giant state-owned enterprises. 
of concern has also been an increase in the harsh and violent response to these disputes, either via the use of company thugs or arrest by the police. And for our last um, uh, item of news from the region, we go to Malaysia, where again, there's an ongoing fight for union recognition. Now this, again, it's one of those stories that's a very long history. Now workers at the Toyota Malaysia company have been waging a six-year fight to have their union recognised by the company. Back in 2014, the workers, with the help of the National Union of Employees in Companies Manufacturing Rubber Products, uh, were able to win the first ballot with the majority of workers supporting the newly independent union. In response to these efforts, the company set up its own in-house yellow union and then went to the courts to appeal the result of the ballot. After years of legal manoeuvres and pressure, a second ballot was held last month. Prior to this ballot, Toyota's management hired security guards to intimidate workers, allowed free reign to its in-house union to campaign um, against the independent union, and on the day of the ballot, workers were identified before they cast their ballot. Not surprisingly, the in-house union won this ballot. The result of this second ballot are now also disputed and workers are once again organising to build their own independent union. So um, well done workers, it's been six years but I'm sure you're going to keep fighting for your rights. And that does bring us to the end of news from around the region for this morning. We're going to go to some community announcements and then we'll be joined uh, by Lionel Bopagy for our feature interview for this morning. An important message from the Victorian Government about coronavirus. To manage coronavirus and save lives, immediate action is required. This means if you can stay home, you must stay home. Yes, it's a major disruption to your lives, but this disruption today will save the lives of many Victorians tomorrow. If you think you may have coronavirus, call the government's hotline on 1800 675 398 or visit coronavirus.vic.gov.au. Victorian Government. Managing this together. A 3CR supporter. Housing for the Aged Action Group has gone digital to help stop the spread of the coronavirus, but we're still here. If you're over 50 years old and having problems with your housing, we can help. If you're having trouble paying the rent, problems with your retirement village manager, or concerned about your caravan park, give us a call on 1300 765 178. We can also help connect you with aged care services and emergency relief if you need it. Stay safe, everyone. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. 855am. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents with Pierre and Giselle. No worries. And it's always a pleasure to have uh, someone live on the show as well. So uh, good morning, Lionel, and uh, welcome to the show. And as I said, um, 
in the introduction uh, earlier in the show, Lionel uh, Bopagi is a very long time uh, left wing and work and labour activist from uh, Sri Lanka who we've interviewed uh, before on this program. So uh, good morning, Lionel. Good morning, Pierre. Good morning. Um, now, um, as uh, listeners um, would know, um, last uh, month there were um, elections, national elections in um, Sri Lanka, where the outcome was a resounding victory by the Sri Lankans People Freedom Alliance and really the, the triumph of the Rajapaksa family. Can you give us a, a bit of a, a rundown of, of the results? Uh, okay, yeah. Um... Well, I think uh, before the parliamentary elections uh, last year in November, there were presidential elections and uh, Gotabe Rajapaksa, who was the uh, former defense secretary uh, of uh, Mahindra Rajapaksa at the time, the uh, president, um, he, he became uh, the president. He was elected as president. And uh, he won uh, actually uh, about 55% of the vote, if I could remember correctly. And uh, so, um, uh, let me, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the, the parliamentary elections was uh, to be held sometime earlier. But then because of the COVID uh, situation, uh, they held in uh, August uh, this year. And uh, there was an overwhelming majority who supported the, uh, the Sri Lanka for the Janaparamana, which is the party uh, uh, of Rajapaksas, that was established by the Rajapaksas. And uh, they uh, got almost a two-thirds majority uh, in the parliament. And um, now this uh, whole thing was driven by uh, the crony economic system in Sri Lanka. And um, as we all know, uh, businesses uh, in such a situation uh, do not thrive by managing risks. It's more returns accumulated through uh, the nexus between business and political classes. And that is what's happening in Sri Lanka. Uh, there is the Rajapaksa family, and then uh, those who are supporting it, you know, sort of uh, have been holding important positions in the government, the both in both uh, these people are coming from the military and also civil administration. And uh, also the people uh, had an expectation uh, of a strong government and a strong ruler, uh, which obviously uh, um, they uh, converted that into practice during the elections. Uh, from our point of view, which won't be necessarily uh, for the good of the country, but then that is the uh, situation. And uh, um, the, the issue in the parliamentary elections is that uh, uh, whether it will lead to uh, presidential monarchy because uh, they can, uh, the, the, the government can easily get two-thirds power in the parliament because um, they have close two-thirds majority and then there are others who are supporting the government, uh, like say for example in the north uh, of the country, uh, the 
Tamil National Alliance, which is considered to be the traditional uh, party representing the, uh, the rights of the Tamil people, uh, they didn't gain uh, the number of seats they had earlier. Uh, they have become weaker. And uh, instead, uh, the party supporting the Rajapaksa family has uh, become, uh, they have gained more seats. Um, and the other thing uh, which uh, I would note is that some of the some of the candidates who have won, uh, they have uh, cases filed against them uh, due to uh, corruption and criminal you know offenses they had committed uh, previously. And uh, after the elections, uh, at least two people who uh, have been one one person of course. He, uh, um, who won uh, the elections. Actually, he got the, uh, the most uh, preferences in the elections in one of the districts called Ratnagura. And uh, he was convicted by the court uh, for murder. And uh, he was sentenced to life imprisonment or death. And uh, he appealed. And then he was elected as uh, the, 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 the MP of that particular district with the highest number of votes. And he has been uh, sworn in as the candidate. And previously, the, the, the practice has been uh, not to allow such candidates to swear in, but this time they changed the practice. And uh, as we said, uh, I mean, previously, uh, what uh, the, the resultant uh, of all these uh, developments is uh, that uh, the government has proposed a uh, uh, major amendment to the constitution. Uh, before the elections, they said that they will get rid of the 19th amendment to the constitution, which was uh, uh, the child of the previous regime. Um, well, 19th Amendment had uh, its own uh, problems, but then now what the government has proposed in terms of 20A uh, is uh, going beyond the abolition of 19th Amendment. And uh, the major issue is uh, the immunity that the president will get. Um, um, he cannot be uh, taken to courts on uh, any offense he has committed. And not only during his term as president, but during his lifetime. And uh, uh, they, they have retained some of the aspects of the previous amendment, like uh, there are uh, independent commissions, but all the commission members will be appointed by the president. And uh, um, uh, parliament will become a, a rubber stamp. Basically, uh, president will have powers to appoint ministers and uh, sack the prime minister and dissolve the uh, parliament within the first year uh, of the government and so on. So the president will become a, a presidential monarchy. Sort of, and uh, uh, the majoritarianism which resulted in this uh, election, uh, election result uh, it will, uh, I think, it will take Sri Lanka to new heights. It will be to the detriment of the rights of the minority communities, I would say, and also it will, uh, it will be to the detriment of the uh, of human rights and democratic rights of the people of Sri Lanka as a whole. And uh, uh, now, under the 19th Amendment, there were democratic reforms 
carried out for restricting the powers of the executive, including presidential term limits and accountability. But uh, some of those will go. I think they are going to keep presidential term limits, but then everything else will be controlled by the president. And uh, uh, they have done some things which uh, we cannot explain, you know, uh, as to why they have done it. Uh, they have lowered the, the, the age of uh, presidential candidate uh, down to uh, 30 years of age, a person of 30 years of age. And then they have also uh, allowed dual citizens to, uh, be to become president or uh, an MP or prime minister of, the, uh, of Sri Lanka. So there have been major changes proposed and there was a backlash against all these amendments and uh, uh, not only in, in diaspora in, in the, among the expatriates but also within Sri Lanka there was heavy criticism and as a result the government has said that uh, oh, that they will uh, go back to the drawing board but then they were not willing to take the responsibility uh, as to I mean they were not willing to expose who was responsible for this draft and even the Minister for Justice said, no, he, 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 he didn't have a hand. And then ultimately yesterday, uh, President Gotabe Rajapaksa uh, has apparently divulged he was the person who was behind this, uh, uh, the, the, the proposed amendment. And right, if I can, can, I, can I just um, interrupt, yeah. um, Lionel? I mean, that's a great summary of what's happening. And, and really, you know, the, the democratization of authoritarianism is, is seemingly one of the, the trends of the era that we live on all around the, the region, really. All these strong men, all these autocratic governments that come to power and remain in power democratically in inverted commas. So and so in what in terms of your opinion, in terms of the the so-called Tamil questions, in terms of workers' rights, because I've seen one of the uh, big focus for the government will be development at all costs. Um, where do you think that's gonna that's gonna be? I mean, the rights of workers is already very precarious in Sri Lanka. Uh, obviously, um, the Tamils are already marginalised. Where do you think those issues will go in the next few years? Now, uh, yeah, even before the elections, the government was uh, actually many, many uh, candidates of the, uh, the, the, of the, of the current government. Uh, they were talking about uh, the abolition of the 13th Amendment, which was the basic political mechanism that was established uh, um, during the period of the war. This was established in 1978, I think. And... Uh, the abolition of the 13th Amendment. Uh, basically, it is devolution of power, establishment of provincial councils, and so on. So, uh, if they are, well, the 13th Amendment was not implemented in full because there was this thorny issue of land powers, police powers, and so on, which the central government didn't want to uh, hand over to uh, the provincial councils. And uh, uh, now, um, there are differing opinions within the government itself uh, with regard to the 13th Amendment and also there are uh, both uh, India uh, and China playing a role here, uh, you know, because uh, it was under the influence of India that uh, the 13th Amendment was established. And with the weakening of the TNA in the North and East 
And uh, with the increase in power of the Rajapaksa regime in that area, uh, with Pillayan, who was, uh, and Karunam, you know, sort of they, they, their power has increased in that region. And um, so uh, it, is, it is to be seen as to how the government will go about with the 13th Amendment. But then, um, irrespective of that, the voice of the of those who were supporting uh, equal rights for Tamils and you know sort of a devolution of power and the regional autonomy, they have become very weak. So the situation with regard to minorities cannot be expected to be good. And uh, with regard to workers' rights, of course, you know the government's mantra, uh, and actually from uh, Gotabe Rajapaksa to the lowest level of the uh, people who are holding positions in the government, uh, have been uh, development, uh, reconciliation, de uh, development, uh, reconciliation through development. So. And uh, with regard to the work workers, one of the major issues is most of the workers supported Gotabaya Rajapaksa. And uh, um, I mean, during the previous Rajapaksa regime, um, um, uh, the workers' rights were, uh, were suppressed, you know, workers were suppressed and there were military assaults against workers who demanded just rights. Now, this, that situation has not come up yet but the government has not particularly shown any interest in, uh, in uh, workers' rights as such. Uh, although there are minor incidents, like um, you know, in some places there are strikes, but they are not major issues at the moment. And uh, uh, government has not indicated uh, what they will do with regard to uh, workers' rights. Um, I would like to remind that Mahindra Rajapaksa, when he was the Minister for uh, Labour in uh, President Chandrika's government, he brought uh, a, a, a charter, workers' charter to the parliament, but then later on, you know, he withdrew it. And since then, he has not spoken anything about workers' rights. And uh, now, with regard to development, you know, sort of say, uh, because of the current debt situation and um, the, the country is in a major economic crisis, unless China uh, and uh, sometimes, you know, the IMF and uh, Asian Development Bank and World Bank uh, come for its rescue. Um, it is very difficult to imagine what would happen in terms of economics because, you know, so let's say the major foreign exchange source was domestic workers in the Middle East. Now they have lost all that uh, employment and they are coming back. And then exports were the major foreign exchange uh, um, earner and um, it has diminished and tourism has collapsed. So under those circumstances, the economy is in ruins, I would say. And... Uh, uh, the government doesn't seem to have a plan except taking loans and uh, they are basically uh, reversing from as, happen, as has happened in elsewhere um, world. They are uh, from export augmentation to inward, you know, local production, um, increasing local production. That is their mantra. And uh, development, uh, reconciliation through development, I, I, I don't think that will work because, you know, sort of uh, both, um, unless, unless uh, they recognize the rights of uh, uh, non-majoritarian communities, uh, 
um, there cannot be reconciliation. So development is needed, of course, you know, because uh, I mean, even if we look at the last couple of elections, presidential election, parliamentary elections and whatever, um, the, the major change was due to bread and butter issues, you know, economic issues. And um, the government needs to ad address those economic issues in terms of development. But at the same time, they have to recognize the rights of people, you know, human and democratic rights of people, um, and also particularly in Sri Lanka because of the importance of the national question uh, and the rights of minorities, they have to recognize their rights uh, as a fundamental rights of people. Well, thank you very much, Lionel, for that uh, great overview and explanation of what's happening in Sri Lanka uh, regarding the following up from the elections and the internal dynamics and what it will mean for workers and uh, minorities in Sri Lanka. So thank you very much again uh, for that, Lionel. Thank you. Thank you, Pierre. And that does bring us to the end of another Asia-Pacific Currents for a Saturday morning here on Community Radio 3CR. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. Thank you, Lionel, for joining us live on the show today. Um, and we will be na excuse me, we will be back next Saturday with more news and current affairs from the Asia-Pacific region. Pierre. That's right. And, um, and you were listening to Lionel Bobber. Wapaki, a uh, long-time Labour activist and left-wing commentator on Sri Lanka. And that's all from me, Pierre Morrow. We'll be back next week. And me, Giselle Hanna.